Welcome to Points Taken, a podcast about sports and sports betting and the people that make them interesting. Jacob Pomerinke of the Society for American Baseball Research joins us today, offering some perspective on the national pastime during Apocalypse, how it got by during the Spanish flu and world wars, and why that matters during the current COVID-19 pandemic. Also in the lineup, Major League Baseball embracing sports betting in its latest chapter of a very complicated relationship with gambling. And finally, giving the Atlanta and Cleveland franchises perfect new mascots. Leading off, here's Jacob Pomerinke on baseball in times of national crisis. Well, you know, baseball has certainly survived uh, a lot of you know, global events uh, over its long history. And, and certainly with the, the world wars and, and other pandemics, uh, there are, you know, um, parallels to uh, what the sport is dealing with today. Um, what is uh, different about today and what is unprecedented about today is uh, the fact that Major League Baseball has had to uh, uh, delay uh, the start of the season for such a long time. That has never happened before obviously and um you know whether whether games will resume in 2020 at all is still up for debate so um so you know this is certainly unprecedented uh in the scope of of how it has affected the baseball season uh, certainly uh baseball was you know played during world war one and world war two um but uh you know and, and it was affected in in a lot of different ways uh in terms of who was playing the game and how the game was played um but baseball continued and and uh that's something that uh, is very different about 2020 is uh, we don't know uh, when or how baseball will resume. Just for those who don't research such morbid things, um, how did baseball react during the Spanish flu? Because that's quite often the comparison used with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Sure. You know, uh, baseball actually got very lucky in 1918 because the timing of the uh, the Spanish influenza pandemic um, was such that uh, the baseball season in 1918 was not very affected by the flu. Um, it was World War One that that had a much much greater impact on the game in 1918, and that was the reason that the baseball season was cut short uh, in the summer of 1918, and that's the, why the World Series was played around Labor Day in early September. And so when the uh, the second wave of that flu pandemic hit in the fall of 1918 baseball was over um and so you know they, they had an early wave in the spring of 1918 and um it kind of spread uh from from a military camp in Kansas uh, across the world, but it wasn't really affecting the civilian population until the fall of 1918. And by then the baseball season was over um, because the U.S. government had shut down uh, baseball and, and forced it to end its season early. And that's really the only reason why baseball was not as affected uh, by the flu as, as say, the uh, National Hockey League or, or other uh, sports in 1918. Baseball kind of uh, was, was very lucky in that regard. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, we don't know how the season would have played out if the if the big wave of the flu had been in the spring of 1918 rather than the fall. Um, it certainly would have affected the game much more than it did. Certainly, baseball doesn't hold the, you know, its place on the on the pedestal uh, as it used to. You know, America's pastime is still a thing, but you know, there's there's no secret how how weighty uh, the NFL is. And there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of things you could watch on, on TV, which is how most folks cons uh, consume their sports these days. But even still, how important is it that a baseball season happened? Because, I mean, it, it's still a thing. It still matters. I, I mean, it, uh, it, do you think it's more important than if an NBA season resumes? How big a deal is it that Major League Baseball has a season? 
Uh, you know, Major League Baseball and, and the other major sports leagues are billion-dollar industries these days. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of people who are affected by whether or not these games happen. Um, a lot of people's livelihoods are affected uh, by whether or not the, the game goes on. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, more true today than it was 100 years ago um, when Major League Baseball was kind of the national pastime and it was, you know, the clear number one sport in America and, and really all across North America. And, you know, so... So baseball is still very important in the in the cultural landscape, but uh, but it's you know part of this larger sports uh, industry now, and and so a lot of people's lives are affected by whether or not the games are going to happen. Now you know how important it is that the games happen. I think this is one of those situations, one of the rare situations when uh, you know baseball has to look to the real world and say you know this is bigger than us. This is something that uh, you know the, the public health crisis that uh, we're all dealing with right now is is much much bigger than baseball and, and this is not something that baseball is going to be able to solve um you know in terms of getting a handle on the uh on the virus i think this is something that major league baseball wants to go full steam ahead and, and play its games and you know institute this testing program and, and try to keep people safe but the reality is this is much much bigger than baseball and so uh, we have to get a handle on the virus before uh, sports can really resume safely anywhere Crisis, whether it be small or or large, always seems to act as a stressor on relationships. I don't think it's any secret that owners, management, and, and labor um, were sort of building uh, to to beyond argument stage. And baseball is not alone in this. But um, is it there? Is there a history that the the relationship between labor and management has been so acrimonious that I mean, the society would lo- fans would have loved for them to pull together and and work through this. But it seemed like no matter what side that you know you, you lean toward, there were some relationships. Uh, I mean, the owners asking for prorated salaries. It seems like there was no bonding together there. That some the both sides, maybe even the owners especially. I'll, you can kind of tell what side I leaned for. But the owners seemed like they made a grab for some concessions there that maybe seemed out of place in the time and the moment. Yeah, you know, I think the the overall context of the the kind of negotiations between the owners, between management and the players. Um, you know, you have to kind of look back through the the long history of the game to realize what they were actually fighting about. Um, it, you know, the, the pandemic kind of um, overshadowed everything uh, over the spring and summer as they were trying to negotiate. But, uh, but this is a long, long history um, of fight between the players and the owners to, you know, try to uh, win these, win these battles on in the boardrooms and rather than the playing field. But, uh, but, you know, it, it was unfortunate, I think, for, from a PR standpoint that uh, baseball's uh, labor relations uh, became kind of this, you know, front page story over the spring and summer. But the reality is, even if they had been in 100 percent agreement over the economic issues and even the safety issues, uh, the reality is um, they weren't going to be able to start the season on time in the spring anyway. So, um, you know, e- even if this labor battle had not really taken place in the public eye the way it did um there's really no guarantee that you know the baseball season would be happening i mean we're they're now starting the the summer camps and and players are testing positive and players are and and the the testing program is is having its own issues so you know even if if the players and the owners uh had not been kind of waging this this public relations battle uh for labor negotiations uh there's there's really no guarantee that that baseball would be uh you know happening right now how do you think the players that are going to opt out are going to be treated by history not necessarily on social media tomorrow but 50 years from now 
And, and again, I know that depends on how the pandemic pans out, but, but uh, it's sort of an unfair question. But how do you think? Well, I think uh, all sides are, are counting on fans to have short memories. And I think the, the history of, of baseball shows that uh, once once players do return to the field, uh, you know, people will tend to forget and, and cheer on their favorite players and their favorite teams just as if nothing has happened. So I think, uh, you know, the, the 2020 season is always going to be held up, you know, for all of us for the rest of our lives is, is always going to be held up as this kind of this weird outlier this season that is, you know, no matter what happens over the next few months um, you know, nobody's going to forget what happened in 2020, but it's always going to be seen as this, this outlier, you know, and I think regardless of whether players opt out or they play or they get sick or whatever the case may be um, you know, 2020 is always going to be seen in the future as, wow, this was what, what a weird season. You're going to have to, you know, dig into the history to figure out, you know, what actually happened. Uh, this this year, so I, I don't think players are going to be uh, punished by the fans or uh, by the public, you know, for uh, for sitting out this season any more than if they play. I think uh, once once games resume, once players get on the field, I think uh, a lot will be forgotten, just as it always has. Mike Trout seems key to me in this. I mean, the game's best player, his wife is pregnant. Uh, I mean, he, he's been very open about how this is scary to him. Um, I think he, the last I read, I, he's he's there. He's, he's running the bases with a mask on, which you would hope would spur some folks to do the right thing when they go to their grocery store. But if he decided um, a couple of days before the season uh, was to start that he, he wasn't doing this, how did you think this would, this would affect baseball um, as, as, uh, as a culture? Well, you know, I do think that uh, players like Mike Trout uh, certainly, you know, would set an example, uh, an outsized example um, throughout the game and really throughout the country. Um, you know, if, if Mike Trout were to decide, hey, I'm not I'm not going to play this season. This isn't safe. Um, you know, this is too much of a risk to my family. You know, I, I do think there would be a lot of other players who would follow suit. You know, we've already had players like David Price, a Cy Young Award winner, you know, who has opted out. Nick Markakis of the Braves um, and other players. So, you know, I, I do think uh, when you get a player of the caliber of Mike Trout, uh, if he were to come out and say, yeah, this is this is too risky. I'm not going to do it. Um, I, I do think that would be uh, really difficult for, for all of baseball to uh, to go ahead with the season. And, and again, I think this is going to be a case where we're going to look back on on the 2020 season and if you know, half the league is not playing or half the best players are not playing. Um, it's, it's going to feel a little bit weird. And, and I don't know, you know, what the reaction is going to be to that. It's going it, to, there may be a domino effect or there may not be. It's, it's very hard to say what people's reactions are going to be, but certainly, uh, you know, people are looking to players like Mike Trout, um, you know, to try to set an example on, on what they're going to do. Yeah. You mentioned, you used the word outlier earlier and it sparked a question. I know it's only 60 games, but what if, what if somebody pick, pick a guy, I don't know, trade, uh, Trey Turner, who, who cares? Pick a guy, although he's on my fantasy league team, that'd be pretty awesome. But anyway, pick a guy and they hit 427 in 60 games. I know it's only 60 games, but how do you think history will treat that guy? Well, uh, you know, I, I think there's always going to be this mental asterisk placed uh, on any stats that are compiled in a in a shortened season like this. And, you know, and, and we do have some examples in, in some of our lifetimes from the 1994-95 uh, labor dispute from the 1981 player strike, um, you know, where where some of the stats are a little bit skewed uh, for one reason or another or, you know, some record breaking uh, achievements were not 
you know, made because uh, the season was cut short. So, you know, we're always going to look back at a, at a shortened season and say, well, you know, what, what might've been in, in, in whatever way that might be, whether it's somebody hitting 400 or, uh, you know, somebody going out and hitting 30 home runs in 60 games or something. That's, I, I think we're always going to look at the stats as, you know, maybe a little bit of a mental asterisk of that, that was, that was the outlier, uh, you know, and it's not, it's not a full season that we're used to. And it's going to be very difficult to compare that historically to, you know, because the reality is the 2020 season is going to be unlike any other season of our lifetimes and possibly, you know, in all of baseball history. So the stats are, are going to be, you know, part of that context that we're going to need to explain uh, later on. Yeah. We've talked in the past about baseball and gambling and, and the culture that you know goes back even way before the, the, the Black Sox scandal in uh, 1919. But put in perspective, if you could, how big a deal in the history of baseball it is for the Detroit Tigers to have signed PointsBet, uh, a sports book, as a corporate sponsor um, that is going to plaster signage uh, all over the ballpark. This this seems like it's the first one in baseball, one of the first three in the top four sports. It's, it seems, especially for baseball, like a very big deal and a very big change of attitude. Absolutely. And, you know, it's very interesting to, to watch baseball um, kind of, you know, get back into bed with the with gambling and legalized gambling. And, and that's something that we really have not seen in 100 years. And, and that's something that uh, baseball has always, you know, since the Black Sox scandal has always held itself up as a sport that does not associate with gambling in any way. And so uh, this is a, a huge change uh, for, you know, the attitude of the sport and, and Major League Baseball specifically. So I, I think it, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, as these regulations are relaxed, as states open up. Uh, sports betting it's going to be very interesting to see kind of what the uh what the uh, unintended consequences are going to be um for all of this sports gambling because uh as we've seen it's you know once you open that pandora's box you don't know uh what's going to come out afterwards and and you know all, all sports have have had issues with gambling and, and game fixing in the past and so It'll be very interesting to see, uh, you know, what security measures are put in place and, and how uh, baseball is going to treat this. Because uh, if you just open it up and, uh, you know, you, you never know what, what might happen in the future. It, it seems like it's going to be a real interesting PR campaign. And we've talked about this, too, between the league, the, uh, the clubs and fans who don't bet that this is a, a sports sponsorship so folks can you know in, in Michigan make wagers on their on their phones on the game but this doesn't mean that the shortstop is going to let one go between his legs uh, you know so that the Yankees cover the spread it, it seems like even if you you know we can talk about this and we know this but it seems like there's got to be a dance done to the mainstream public who may not necessarily get it or may just not like this idea Sure. Yeah. And I think there are, you know, many different uh, attitudes, uh, you know, from fans and players and, and team executives and league officials, um, you know, on w- what impact uh, this is going to have on the sport. And and I agree. I, I you know, I don't know that uh, the players are necessarily the ones who are most at risk of, of throwing games or influencing the outcome of a game anymore. And I do think the salary issue is is one that, you know, is going to preclude a lot of uh, problems because, you know, most players are making enough money that uh, it's going to be very difficult to bribe them the way it was in 1919 when you had the reserve clause and salaries were pretty low um, all across the board. But 
but yeah, I mean, there are plenty of other people who are involved in the game, uh, you know, who may be influenced. And so that's something that Major League Baseball, you know, has said that they are taking seriously and instituting a lot of security measures for the game. But we may not see the shortstop, uh, you know, booting the ball, but uh, there are plenty of other people who have influence on the game. Uh, and, and that's something that I think baseball has to take seriously as it as it moves forward and with sports betting. Yeah, I mean, certainly baseball has taken player and staff gambling very seriously shoeless joe and and pete rose and uh you know trevor crow has has been in the news recently with some tax issues uh from some gambling um he's out of the game i i mean obviously (laughs) breaking news mlb players you shouldn't be doing this but if whoever whoever the next one to get caught or be implicated in doing this i would think is just going to get absolutely hammered by baseball for them to prove that this this can't happen because I mean, this, this is cutting into a revenue, a perception and a revenue stream. Now this cannot, there can be no perception that there are uh, anything crooked is going on in the game. Yeah. You know, and I think it's in major league baseball's best interest to, uh, to ensure that, you know, and, and to reassure fans that, uh, that nothing crooked is going on on the field. And I think that's something that is very important. And, you know, they have, they have collaborated with um, casinos in Las Vegas and, and other partners uh, like MGM Grand, um, you know, to make sure that the, the integrity of the game is upheld. And I think that is something that, you know, the gambling industry also wants to, you know, you don't want to bet on a fixed uh, sporting game, sporting event, you know, in, in any capacity, because that's just, you know, regardless of the the moral implication, that's just not very much fun. <laughs> um, and so, so I think that's something that you know, Major League Baseball uh, definitely wants to take seriously is is making sure that the integrity of, of the product on the field is is upheld, and that's something that you know they didn't do a very good job about a hundred years ago, leading up to the Black Sox scandal. Um, but you know, we certainly have much more sophisticated measures uh, to. To ensure that you know the, the games that are being played are are taken seriously by everyone involved do you do you think it'll still be a while before the white Sox bring one of these aboard or are we far enough down the line gambling's been sports betting's been legal in illinois for about a half a year it's, it's sort of the normal it, well it, they, they legalize and then the pandemic hit so it's kind of got shut down but do you think it'll still take a little while before the white Sox feel comfortable is a century enough to, to cleanse well, you know, I, I definitely think that it is part of their franchise history, but it is it is certainly long ago uh, enough that uh, I don't know that anyone with the current organization uh, is too worried about the historical implications of it. Uh, nobody, nobody around today was alive in 1919 uh, for the Black Sox scandal. And so I don't know that uh, the White Sox are any different than any of the other major league teams uh, in terms of, you know, what they're going to do in, in terms of sponsorship or uh, partnerships with, you know, any anyone in the gambling world. So um, I, I don't know that the White Sox uh, have anything to uh, to watch out for any more than any other teams. And certainly we've had players on other teams that have been involved in gambling related scandals from Denny McLean of the Tigers. And certainly uh, Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays had, you know, a mini scandal in the 1980s. And then of course, Pete Rose uh, with the Reds. So, you know, there, there are other players and other teams that have their own history with, uh, with sports betting just as much as the White Sox do. All right. Another topic, let's go timely again. It would appear that the Washington Redskins nickname may be not long for this world, uh, which a lot of us uh, cheer. And I, I was uh, catching up with you on Twitter, and you had some thoughts about the Braves. Uh, but it looks like the Cleveland Indians 
don't know, maybe they're going to be the Cleveland Spiders again. I mean, what are your thoughts about these uh, nicknames uh, that they should go or not and what they should maybe turn into, specifically the Indians, uh, Cleveland, and Atlanta franchises? Well, I grew up in Atlanta, and, and I was a Braves fan uh, from a young age. And so, you know, certainly the uh, I, I understand the uh, the tradition of, of those names, but, you know, certainly there are, there are a lot of... Uh, moral issues with uh, naming any sports franchise after a group of people, especially a group of marginalized people. And, and I think that's, you know, it's a long overdue move for the Washington NFL team uh, has, has come under fire for many, many years, but so has Cleveland and Atlanta in baseball. And I think that's something that, um, you know, the people think that, uh, you know, sometimes have this impression that, that fans are okay with it or native Americans are okay with the names. And the reality is people have been protesting these names for years and years and years. Um, and, and certainly some of the symbolism like the tomahawk chop in Atlanta, um, you know, these are, these have always been controversial from the very beginning. And, and, you know, to, to do away with some of these traditions, uh, I think is, is a very good idea and, and very long overdue. And I think, you know, the, the pandemic certainly provides, um, uh, a very good timing uh, for for teams like Cleveland and Atlanta to to make branding changes like this. I don't think this is something that uh, that you know baseball fans are going to have you know too much of a problem with once the names are changed. And I do think that's something that uh, you know Cleveland and Atlanta should uh, should take into account. This is a really a perfect time to to make changes like this and and you know do this on your own terms rather than be forced into it uh, the way, you know, Washington may have in, in the NFL. I think that's something that uh, baseball should, you know, encourage the teams to do. I think uh, we, we haven't seen a, a, a team change its name much uh, other than the, maybe the devil raised to the Rays uh, yeah. a decade ago. So, you know, this isn't something we're used to, but teams have changed their names all the time in, in history. And so um, fans will get used to it. Fans will cheer uh, for, for any team name, you know, that they are associated with. So I think, I think this is the right time to do it. And I, I hope uh, both Cleveland and Atlanta make that decision. Now, Cleveland, those of us who love the history of baseball, Spiders seems to be uh, winning in the polls. The worst baseball team of all time. Okay, that, that's, that's still kind of cool. I mean, were they like 20? And I mean, they're awful. You, you would know the numbers, I, I, I would guess, but they were one of the worst teams of all time, but still a pretty good name. Yeah. Oh, I, I like the name, and and uh, they also you know had a lot of positive history before that uh, unfortunate eighteen ninety nine season when they won twenty games, uh, but uh, but no they they won a couple National League pennants uh, as the Cleveland Spiders as well, and so um, you know there's there's a long history uh, associated with that, and I think that's that that's uh, maybe the, the the first choice uh, that a lot of fans are interested in. There's certainly a lot of cool ways that they could uh, brand that team with logos and and identity um so i i certainly like that idea i think that would be a pretty cool uh throwback to the past and you know good way to uh you know brand yourself for the 21st century and uh disassociate yourself you know with with any uh offensive stereotypes i think that would be a, a cool name to do now i thought your suggestion for the atlanta franchise was particularly brilliant share that one with us yeah, so uh, this wasn't my idea. I've seen this around on Twitter. I don't know who came up with it first, but uh, 
But the idea that I shared was the Atlanta Hammers. Yeah. I think uh, you can go with Hammer and Hank Aaron, you know, the biggest legend in, in team history. I think that would be a nice tribute to him. And, uh, you know, he's in his 80s now. And so I think that would be a cool way to honor uh, the greatest player in, in your team's history. And, you know, honestly, they from a business standpoint, I think this makes the most sense because all they would have to do is make a few tweaks uh, to the current uniform set, keep the colors, change the name, and, uh, you know, we could we could have a new uniform and new name and uh you know do this uh, by opening day i think that would be a really cool way to honor the greatest player in, in franchise history and uh you know keep keep a little bit of uh, of of the old tradition but without the offensive uh, stereotypes that they're that they're currently using so i think that would be the atlanta hammers would be uh, an awesome choice and i would be uh, first in line to, to buy a new jersey if they were honoring hank aaron in that way yeah i think that one would be brilliant on so many levels even taking into account the backstory of what hank aaron went through when he was when he was chasing the record and, and the times we're living in now i think it, it's it's just too good that one that one really needs to happen so you should just take credit for that no matter if you saw that somewhere else so we're just going to say that was yours yeah no it'd be it'd be nice to see i i would certainly uh feel a lot better about uh rooting for the braves my childhood team uh if they uh if they had a name like that that was jacob pomrenke i'm brant james this was points taken thank you for listening